The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What is up, you YouTube? Welcome in to another episode of Midday with Trey and BK live on Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is Wednesday, I think, August 23rd, 20 and 23. We're taking you all the way until 1 o'clock. We've got a loaded show. Where are we at in society? Of course, coming up at the very end of the hour, we've got some do's and don'ts for sports fans as we get closer and closer to football season. Some of you heathens out there need to be kept in line, and we've got a few stories from around the sports world that we've got to tell you all about there. Plus, a Big 12 preview. We'll hand out some preseason awards for this conference and talk about some of the biggest storylines in the Big 12. As, of course, the Longhorns get set to embark on their final year in this conference. And uh, we'll open things up talking about some stories from our Tuesday nights because Trey says he's got something good. And I've got to tell you guys about what I got into last night as well. What's going on, brother? How you doing today? Well, BK, if I'm being completely honest with you, I am exhausted right now. And unfortunately, I don't have cool stories to tell necessarily with regards to getting together with cl clients and maybe throwing a few back. And I look forward to hearing those details in just a sec. But it was uh, an interesting evening in and around the Elling household last night. It started with taking my family to that new Ike's Love and Sandwiches location in Georgetown. It's off of University. It's in a huge shopping center. So I'm just going to suggest to anybody who's trying to go over there today or in the future, find the TJ Maxx and it's to the left of the TJ Maxx if you're facing the TJ Maxx down a couple of doors. And by the way, Ike Shahada, who is the guy behind Ike's, I mean, he is literally the face that you see painted on the walls and the, the namesake of the place. He's going to be there until close today. And he already told us, uh, what was it, a couple days ago, yesterday, BK, two days ago now, that if you find him and say that you heard about or you heard him on our show a couple days ago, he's going to hook you up. Your first sandwich is going to be on him. So go to the Georgetown location, and you have free lunch or dinner today, and those sandwiches cannot be beat. So that was part of it, and it was cool to uh, watch my kids starstruck as uh, they got to meet Ike and tell Ike about their favorite sandwiches to eat at the place and to, uh, to glad hand, take a picture with them. And then after that, we went home, and things were pretty normal. But unfortunately, BK, it got to 11.30 midnight last night, and I decided to hit play on the new, I guess, episode or new series within a Netflix docu-series, Swamp Kings, about that uh, Florida football program from the, uh, the mid to late 2000s, the Urban Meyer-led team, the national championship, some of the trouble along the way. Well, it is a four-episode arc, and I ended up watching all four episodes so I did not go to sleep until about 3.30, as I mentioned at the uh, start of these ramblings right now. I may have been talking for 10 minutes for all I know at this point. But uh, I'm here to tell you and the people out there who have not tuned in to Swamp Kings just yet, and maybe you've seen some criticisms online that it doesn't get deep enough into uh, some of the more salacious aspects, but relevant aspects of that program at the time, those criticisms are correct. It was a waste of three hours, whatever that amount of time ended up being. It's interesting from a football perspective because it does go deep into just uh, the, the ebbs and flows of a season where you have hopes and you don't achieve those national championship goals. And then, of course, the two times that they were able to do so in that Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow era. But it was very disappointing with regards oh. to a lot of what happened off the field, which is the reason why you make something like that about that program at uh, on that period of time. Yeah, that's the story that surrounds 
that era of Florida Gators football. They're not the best dynasty in the history of the sport. Hell, they're not even the best dynasty in that decade, right? With what USC did a few years earlier, like they were more successful and consistent until, of course, Texas knocked them off the top in that national championship game. But yeah, the the on-field stuff, obviously they were good and they had a ton of talented players, but that's not docu-series worthy. It's all of the -the off-the-field storylines that make for an amazing story. That's why I was super excited to check this thing out. You're telling me they didn't really dive into that stuff? No, they talked about a fight that Aaron Hernandez got into when Tim Tebow was with him at a bar, which is something that people do know at least a little bit about, but there was a lot more to dig into with Aaron Hernandez. He barely received a mention other than that. The Pouncey brothers... Didn't receive uh, much of a mention. Janoris Jenkins didn't receive much of a mention. Urban Meyer talked about it. I want to say it was in episode three where he talked about a guy getting popped for a tiny amount of weed, like literally less than a gram of weed, which you don't smoke weed. That is a an extremely small amount, and that dude shouldn't have had the book thrown at him. And it turns into Urban Meyer belaboring giving up on a guy and kicking a guy out of a program because of a dude that he had, I think it was his first year at Florida, who gets kicked off of the team for violating team rules and then goes on to overdose on drugs a year later. And so he's like, because of that, I refuse to give up on a guy in a situation like that. All right, well, you know, Urban, there's different levels to that too, by the way. And we could have gotten into how potential murder was swept under the rug because the guys who may have been responsible were key tr- contributors to uh, a team that won a national championship and another one that got really close as well. So in the end, a lot of these sports docu-series now, since The Last Dance, and I don't think The Last Dance was this, by the way. I think Last Dance was maybe one of, if not the best uh, sports docu-series of all time. A lot of these feel like, I don't know, marketing materials or the subjects at hand and this felt like an attempt by urban meyer to rehabilitate his reputation he was very open about the fact that he ran a hard-nosed program was a colossal asshole at the time and there were a few people who questioned uh, some of their tactics in modern times who were going through it back in the day too but all in all it is, uh, it's pretty shameful in the end, considering the story that's there to tell, how you didn't come close to some of the most important elements of it, reeks of propaganda. God, that is so disappointing, man. Like, I was looking forward to watching this, and it sounds like you don't recommend me even check it out. Did you? I don't know, I don't know which CV comments you just put on the screen there, but if it's the one about Tim Tebow being just insufferable, impossible to listen to, that was pretty freaking brutal. Like T- Tebow has some interesting things to say. I'm not an, an outright Tim Tebow hater, but that, that really soft voice, and he's got a little bit of a list there too, and he's just so sweet about things. Like it does feel a little bit like an act, and I could have probably taken it about a quarter of what Tim Tebow had to offer in the way of commentary. Look, I understand. It's Tim Tebow. You're going to get him on as much as anyone, with, maybe with the exception of Urban Meyer, but that was another nauseating part of it, too, is having to listen to him as much as you do. They, they didn't get Chris Leak on. I'm assuming that there were guys who were asked to take part in this and were like flat out, no, I no. won't know piece of this because I have no idea what we're going to get into. But the guys who were there, there were some interesting characters, by the way. Um, they uh, they talked to uh, to Brandon Spikes and also the uh, linebacker before him, whose name I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now. So there were some interesting dudes and there were tidbits here and there. But all in all, not worth your time. That's a bummer. Did you watch the Manziel documentary? I did not. And I think that that one will be better than the Florida documentary. Cause I think Manziel, because he has faced his demons in public a little bit more is uh, obviously more willing to go places and admit the truth in retrospect, but I have not gone there just yet. How about you? No, I haven't watched it either. I've heard mixed reviews on that one, but obviously those are the two big college football-related documentaries that have come out recently, and I wanted both of them to be really good because you've got two amazing stories there, and people say the Johnny one was not that good and had kind of a horrible ending, and obviously I haven't heard too many reviews about the Swamp Kings thing because I think this thing just came out, what, yesterday or two days ago? I haven't heard too many people give their feedback on it yet. But, uh, yeah, hearing you talk about it, that that is very disappointing because those two storylines had tremendous, tremendous potential, and it sounds like maybe they went over for 2. 
DJ, I can't tell if you're being serious or you're joking right now. You don't like him because he's religious. Religious <laughs> has very little to do with it. Like he he didn't get into the religious aspect of things or they didn't get into the religious aspect of things a whole lot. I mean, it showed him and the the value that he placed on his religion. And look, as you know, as long as uh, your religion, your spirituality is helping you to be a better person and you're not infringing uh, pretty bluntly on the rights of others. Like I'm all for that. Even as somebody who's uh, fairly agnostic like myself, were there times where Tim Tebow is providing his commentary while walking through a ch- church? Sure. But it was less about the setting and more about what was being said in that moment that was getting on my damn nerves. Now I know this happened after urban Myers tenure in Florida, but did they show video of him? from his one year as the Jags head coach where he was teaching that young co-ed how to receive a snap from under center or he had his hands on her behind showing her how to play quarterback. Was that in the docuseries at any point? I believe they call that a goosing, or at least they did back in my day, BK. No, they did not show Urban Meyer goosing that blonde at that uh, Columbus sports bar Mm. after the Jags had dropped a game to, I think it was the Cleveland Browns. No, they did not show that moment. They did mention that Urban Meyer didn't make it a full season in the NFL, um, which I guess is a consolation prize, but then again, not really. Uh, That sucks. I'll still probably check this out just because I'm so starved for football content right now, but uh, I wish wish you had uh, different things to say about it. It is interesting from the football perspective, but if you're going in because this is one of the uh, the craziest – four-year stretches for a football program in that sports history, you are going to be a little bit disappointed. And the other thing I'll say, too, is this. I realize that uh, CBD is having a moment right now. How many former professional athletes are in the CBD market have some sort of CBD product that they've invested in? Because it seems like a lot. feels like 60% of former athletes are doing that. You know, They went pro, and then they went pro in something other than sports after they went pro in sports. They didn't go work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. They went to work for some CBD company, or they started some sort of CBD company, and that's that's their bit right now. So what happened to you last night? Because I uh, heard you mention to Wags this morning that there was uh, you were on a bit of a struggle bus. I went to bed last night at 9.45 p.m. What? I've got a sleep tracker app that I looked at to verify what time that I had the lights out last night and it was 9 45 p.m that's the earliest i've gone to bed in i don't know when when was i in fourth grade you know like it's been um, probably 15 to 20 years since i've gone to bed before 10 o'clock p.m but that's where i was last night because i had a time last night man i met up with uh william from the altstadt brewery at kelly's irish pub shout out to them on old torf kind of a new spot they've been around since november but really really cool they do the irish pub thing right they've got tons of old stat beer and uh man got there at about three o'clock uh, after our show yesterday and probably spent four or five hours just drinking old stat beer having the time of my life and then oh by the way on top of that brandon mars our good buddy from top gun rentals and lawn equipment he came through and he had a few old stats and he bought me a shot, which, you know, whatever. It's a school night. I didn't need it. And then I'm just like, oh, man, I was getting after it on a uh, on a Tuesday night. So I was like, dude, I better go to bed early. Otherwise, I'm going to be really hurting today. And I was still hurting a little bit this morning. But uh, the uh, nearly eight or nearly nine hours of sleep that I got last night, I think uh, I think paid dividends and I'm doing all right right now. Brandon has a reputation for uh, ordering a round or two of shots, and you do not tell Brandon Mars no when he offers you a shot. Now, where is Kelly's? Because I know you mentioned that they've only been open since November. I'm fairly familiar with Old Torf, so where on Old Torf is that? Right by First, right by South First. Um, There's a gas station on the corner right there. I can't remember which one it is. There's a gas station. There's a Starbucks. There's a Taquerito. Yeah. Caro or whatever it's called on one corner. Yeah. All right around there. So, yeah, definitely uh, show them some love. But, yeah, I mean, it was great. Really enjoyed the day. Shout out to Altstat. Shout out to Top Gun. Had a phenomenal time. We talked uh, plenty about some plans for Texas Sports Unfiltered. And, obviously, we're grateful that uh, those two companies are a big part of what we've got going on here, but man, yeah, I, I got Taco Bell Uber Eats to my place and I didn't even finish it. I have it in the fridge right now. Yeah. You, you heard Wags and I talking about this this morning. I've got to decide if the 
day old Taco Bell. It has been sitting in my fridge since last night. Got to decide if that's worthy uh, of my time here in a couple of hours. Look, back when kids did science fair projects, because I believe that is completely out the window now because that involves judging and placing and kids not getting their ribbons. But back when they did science fair projects, I'm assuming they were still doing them when you were in elementary school. There were enough science fair projects done on just how long Taco Bell keeps without refrigeration that I think you'll be okay, at least in the short term. You're probably not going to die of botulism, but uh, long term, there are going to be some effects, but it's not just going to be that one singular leftover meal that's going to do it to you. Yeah, it'll be fine. I'm not worried about it at all. It's it's still going to be delicious, and I'm still going to eat it. I'm acting like, oh, it's a tough decision I have to make, whether or not I'm going to down this Taco Bell. Now, everybody knows that this thing is getting eaten. The problem is I don't have a microwave in my place yet. So I got, I, am I going to eat fridge, refrigerated Taco Bell? No, dude, you're forced into a much better decision as far as uh, reheating your leftovers goes. You throw it Air in the fryer? for a little bit. It gets it a more consistent cook through. Or oh, I've always been a microwave guy, probably because I'm lazy and it just doesn't take as long. <laughs> it definitely takes a shorter amount of time to get the, uh, the half-cooked burrito out of the microwave. But no, <laughs> throw it in there at 350. Kind of feel the outsides and, you know, as hot as the outsides are, the insides are going to be a little bit less warm. That sounds weird coming out of my mouth, as does that. (laughs) I think you'll find out that uh, you enjoy the the oven reheat process. Okay. I got to give that a go. The air fryer is also very good for the uh, reheat process. I haven't done that before. I love our air fryer, dude. I, I was skeptical for a while, but the air fryer is a beautiful thing. It is. Yep. It really, really is, man. God, many corn dogs in that deal. Holy shit. That's delicious. I also need a microwave at my place. We'll get we'll get that taken care of at some point. So we're making it. We're doing all right. But uh, yeah, interesting nights for both of us. I went to bed six hours before you did and am feeling way worse than you are, I think, today. That's where we're at. Yeah, BK, I'm not going to do this right now because we do need to get to some Longhorn talk, but I do have an update from my coffee shop experience from a few days ago involving the dog laid out in the middle of the floor. I went back to said coffee shop for the first time today, and uh, there were some other much calmer conversations had. So I'll update the people during where we at in society. All right, looking forward to that at the end of the hour. Please like this video. Please subscribe to this channel if you haven't yet. Before we get into some Texas football, I want to give some love to audio visual consultations our guy tom mckay he's listening right now on the free texas sports unfiltered app Uh, av consultations is at my place they actually took a lunch they're nice enough to leave and stop drilling holes into my walls so we could uh we could do this show but they are hooking me up today with my new man cave setup at my new place super excited about it they do tremendous tremendous work they are an amazing company, and I'm super grateful for AV Consultations. And Trey, football season is basically here. We've got games this weekend. Of course, the Longhorns kick off next weekend. No better time than right now to reach out to AV Consultations and get your home TV set up taken care of. No question, but uh, let's be honest. There's never a bad time to upgrade that home theater setup. It's just now is probably the best time of the year. That's why you're going to go to avconsultations.com, see everything that they can do for you. Then give them a call, BK, like you did within the last couple of days, 512-255-8678. Absolutely, or check them out online at avconsultations.com. Let's talk some Longhorn football. Uh, Our friends over at ESPN put together a Big 12 at a glance article where they kind of go around the conference and take a look at some important players to know, some key matchups to discuss, and just various aspects of what to expect from the Big 12 in 2023. So I kind of wanted to run this, uh, run down this list a little bit, but also localize it and kind of focus on Texas with some of these categories. So the first category mentioned on this ESPN article, three transfers to know. Uh, We don't need to go around the conference for this one, and hell, we don't need to give three, but I'll ask you for one, Trey. One transfer that came into this Texas football program this offseason that you think is going to make an impact for Steve Sarkeesian and company here in 2023? I mean, because I've already predicted that he's going to be this team's number one wide receiver and what should be a pretty lethal passing attack. I guess I have to take the easy option here, BK, and go A.D. Mitchell, the uh, talented but oft-injured transfer from Georgia, 
has continued to impress people going through spring drills, summer workouts, now fall practice too. Uh, he seems primed for uh, some huge things in 2023. Yeah, I think there are two safe bets, right? One on offense and one on defense. And maybe they're not safe because of the injury histories that both of these guys have. But in terms of just their abilities, there's no question about A.D. Mitchell on offense. There's no question about Jalen Catalan on defense, right? Like if those two guys are able to play all 12 games this season, I have zero doubt Texas is winning the Big 12. Like that, that That's how impactful those guys are. That's how good they can be for their respective units. If we get 12 games of A.D. Mitchell and Jalen Catalan, then uh, this team is going to be a hell of a lot better than if we don't. Well, I'm thinking about guys other than those two that Longhorn fans need to keep an eye on. And the first two names that come to mind for me are both on the defensive side of the ball. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if there is uh, another offensive player that I expect to have a major impact, at least uh, somebody that was on the transfer market uh, less than a year ago. And those two defensive guys are Gavin Holmes on the outside and multi-year starter at Wake Forest at cornerback. And then also Trill Carter, who's probably going to have at least uh, a little bit less of an impact early on than Gavin Holmes is, but was a uh, starter at Minnesota and somebody who uh, uh, garnered all-conference honors last year, too. Both those guys not only provide depth, but the potential for uh, for some serious playmaking ability, too. I agree. Yeah, Sark and company did a pretty good job in the portal this offseason. They didn't have to get a ton, but uh, the guys that they got – I think are pretty talented. All right, on to the next category here. Three positions to fill. We could just go with one. We're 10 days away from the start of the Texas football season. What is the position that, in your mind, still needs to be filled by this coaching staff? It is a position. Look, I know the obvious answer is defensive ends, but unfortunately, that there's been a giant void there. Uh, for the last few years now. So I'm not going to say defensive end. I am going to say the position that Marvion Overshone has played so well for the last few years. I am still concerned that some combination of David Benda, Maurice Blackwell, Anthony Hill, whoever else, uh, Demarvion Overshone did a lot on his own. So uh, hopefully you can patchwork something together that gets close to that production. But DeMarvion Overshone, you cannot sleep on just how important he has been for that defense these last couple of years, both in the run and passing games. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, That's a great call with linebacker. I think edge is another obvious one that you brought up. I'll go running back, though. I'm not super worried about what Texas has in the running back room. I just know what they lost from that position. A top 10 pick. And Bijan Robinson and then Rojo, who was also drafted. And Rojo's a guy who could have been a starter on like 90 plus percent of college football teams the last couple of years. So do I have faith in Jonathan Brooks? Yeah. Am I excited as hell to see what CJ Baxter can bring to the table? Yeah, absolutely. And Savion Red, I mean, there are some other guys, Jaden Blue as well. There are plenty of names and highly touted recruits in that running back room, but uh, major, major shoes to fill if either of those guys had left. But because both of those guys left in the same offseason, that's the one for me. What about – you got uh, something real else? Quick, uh, real quick, BK, turning to the uh, comment section. By the way, thank you to everybody for your comments today. Always appreciate when you people interact with us via the YouTube comments. Stay tuned. Hopefully be a text line at some point down the road. It's not tomorrow, unfortunately, but uh, we will hopefully have something there before too long. If you are listening on the free app right now, Jay Ward says they're saying Ant Hill, Anthony Hill, of course, hasn't quite gotten the technical side of things down, but he makes up for it in pure try and hustle. And that is why you hope that a David Benda can really step in and fill that void on first and second down to allow Anthony Hill the opportunity to learn on the job while also using him very tactically in situations where you know there is a much higher chance that he's going to succeed, a la having him come off the edge on third and obvious passing down. So I know Pete Kuskowski is smart about that. He's not going to force a true freshman into action if he doesn't have to. So while uh, I would love to see Anthony Hill ready to go and be a uh, three-down linebacker for you right now. The reality is is that he's a true freshman. He's not quite there just yet. That's okay. I don't know if he's ever going to be a three-down linebacker. Like, I I look at what the Cowboys did with Micah Parsons, you know? Like, he he plays some linebacker for them, but he's basically an edge rusher right now. Like, if Anthony Hill can do what you're talking about, he can just pin his ears back, and he's got the ability to wreak havoc in opposing backfields, then, hey, fine, leave him there. Leave him there. 
Yeah, let, let him be a uh, three-down linebacker in that Pete Witkowski 2-4-5 defense where there you go. The, uh, that those two outside linebackers are something of a uh, defensive line hybrid. Yeah, that, that's the sort of linebacker that I'd be okay with him turning into as well when it comes to him being a three-down guy once he uh, understands his run fits a little bit better at the position. And that's sort of a perfect segue to the next one. Three impact freshmen. Anthony Hill is a guy that I expect to start by the end of this season. I don't know exactly where. He could be replacing David Benda. He could be replacing Ethan Burke. He could be replacing Baron Sorrell. No disrespect to any of those guys, but I just think Anthony Hill is going to be too much of a talent on defense to where he's going to be on the sideline. So he's an obvious one, man. Everybody was super pumped with plenty of obvious reason at uh, when Anthony Hill decided to commit and ultimately sign to Texas. That's the guy right there, instant impact, expecting big things out of him, even though he's only a true freshman. You know, it's interesting because uh, the ESPN did a good job with this article for the most part, but it's kind of light on Texas guys at times. But this is one of those areas where they do list a Texas player. So I'll read their analysis and then give you somebody different as far as the three instant impact freshmen go. Uh, there's also an Iowa State and Houston guy on this list too, but they list Cedric Baxter, top 30 prospect. Baxter has the makeup to become a star. He also has the opportunity with last year's top two Texas rushers gone. You're not wrong about that, but he is still behind Jonathan Brooks right now. So uh, we'll just be in a little bit of wait and see mode. And again, if he's not your bell cow at some point this season, that's okay. He's a true freshman. Still plenty of time for that one. As far as another true freshman that I expect to make an instant impact, I'm having a hard time between Malik Muhammad and Jonte Cook right now, BK, but I feel like Malik Muhammad's path to seeing the field more consistently is maybe slightly easy, uh, easier. It's not a huge gap by any means, but uh, because I feel like Malik Muhammad is a little bit closer to seeing the field as a starter, I'll go with Malik Muhammad and uh, what he is capable of as a co- cover corner on the outside and also a guy who has uh, a lot of physicality for the position too. Yeah, I like that answer too, and you're right. I mean, there are good corners ahead of Malik Muhammad on this depth chart, but there are more receivers ahead of Jonte Cook, right? Texas has a little bit more talent, a little bit more proven talent in that wide receiver room than it does in the cornerback room right now. So, yeah, I think Muhammad's opportunities at early playing time may be uh, a little more than what Jonte Cook has. But, hey, if Jonte Cook is as good as advertised, Sark's going to find a way to put him on the field, and I hope that is a problem that – we're talking about is that Texas just has too much wide receiver talent and it's hard to find snaps for all five of those guys and hell maybe it's more than five guys that we're talking about who could be really really good wide receivers for this team that is the ultimate first world problem and I hope that's something we're discussing on this show is John say cook the fourth wide receiver right now when they go four wide receiver sets I, like I don't even know the answer to that question I don't either I mean you've got Xavier Worthy, you've got Jordan Winnington, you've got A.D. Mitchell. I think those guys are locks. And then Isaiah Nayor, like, I, oh, I, I yeah. don't know. I don't know He's where he fits in because he didn't play last year. But, you know, the guy's got a 1,000-yard season of college football under his belt. And oh, we heard so many rave reviews about him last fall camp before he went down with that injury. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly how the depth chart's going to look like. All of those guys should get plenty of run against Rice. Uh, but I do wonder against Alabama and when when we get to conference play, kind of what that wide receiver rotation looks like. But uh, you've got some options and Sark and Quinn Ewers have some weapons at their disposal, which is pretty cool. Moving on now from three instant impact freshmen to must see September games, BK. Yeah, the Longhorns are going to end up on this one, too, because of that week two matchup in Tuscaloosa at Alabama. That is September 9th, of course. If you pick one other game in the month of September for the Longhorns. It does have to be that Baylor game in Waco, though, right? Yeah, you would think so. The conference opener, um, a a tough test against a solid Baylor team. I mean, they're coming off of a disappointing year, but hell, two years ago they won the Sugar Bowl uh, and they won 12 games with Dave Aranda. So you never count Baylor out, man. You never count Baylor out. And, yeah, it's the last trip the Longhorns are going to make to Waco for the foreseeable future. So Baylor's going to be amped up when Texas comes to town um and this has been a very close series in recent years between these two teams so hell texas lost in waco the last time they played a couple of seasons ago that's the obvious pick that is the second toughest game the longhorns have in the month of september for sure and by the way espn agrees with us two of the three tough september games or must watch september games are uh, texas games alabama at alabama and then at baylor and uh, that last game of the month by the way because we do get 
five September games this year is the Kansas Jayhawks here in Austin. And while you expect Texas to take care of business, Kansas does have the preseason player of the year at quarterback. So you got a dual threat guy like that. He can put a team on his shoulders and help elevate them to victories that they may not have an opportunity in otherwise. Yeah, nobody assumes a Texas win over Kansas anymore. If you are assuming that, you're making a huge mistake, right? Like we, We've learned over the last few years that those things – are not that easy. And now Kansas is actually half decent. I know what Texas did in Lawrence last year, but I also remember what happened here two years ago. Hell, I remember the, uh, what was it, the 2019 game where Texas needed that dicker the kicker game-winning field goal to win 50-48. to 48. Like the last two times Kansas has come to town, they've almost won both of the games, and they were dog shit yeah. in both of those years. Now they're actually half decent and, uh, yeah, you just look that that should be a Texas win. They're going to be two touchdown favorites in that one, you would think. But, uh, yeah, don't uh, don't overlook these Jayhawks, man. They're they're uh, not your older brother's Jayhawks. You know what that makes that game extra tricky, BK? Not only are you coming off of what is likely going to be a really physical affair in Waco the week before the week after is Texas OU. Yeah. So you also have some overlook potential there, too, if people are maybe sleeping on Kansas just a little bit. Now, you know the coaches won't allow their players to do that, but sometimes the psychology of these things uh, ignores what coaches are telling players. I'm with you. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, you know Texas had two games on this Big 12 preview for most impactful or most exciting, or I think must-see was the actual verbiage, yeah. games in the month of September. I don't know, man. TCU Colorado week one is going to be fun. K-State takes a trip to Mizzou uh, in September that I think is going to be pretty interesting. I think Baylor and Utah play a game this year. Like, that's that's a really good non-con. Texas Tech plays Oregon this year. So, obviously, look, we're biased. We talk a lot of Longhorn stuff on this uh, on this show and on this channel, but there are plenty of intriguing non-conference, but even early season conference matchups to look out for involving Big 12 teams in the month of September. It's, it's going to be good. We're going to hit the ground running pretty quick around here. Yes, we are. All right, moving on to MVP pick now. Uh, I guess we can just ask us about the Longhorns. Now, uh, one of the guys who are commenting does have Quinn Ewers as the MVP of the conference. Is it that obvious if Texas is good this year, then Quinn Ewers is your odds-on MVP? That's it. Yeah, I know they don't give out like a conference MVP. I guess it's the conference player of the year. But uh, now, look, if Texas wins the Big 12, it's going to be in large part because Quinn Ewers takes a step and is more consistent this year. So, yeah, if uh, if Texas reaches where it's supposed to reach this year, then it's going to be because of Quinn Ewers. So he's he's the safe bet uh, to be the most valuable player for this Longhorn team this year. I guess it's probably obvious on defense, too. Like, it, it almost uh, has to be Jalen Ford, considering the season that he put up uh, a year ago and how he is the, uh, the center of what's supposed to be a pretty salty unit uh, this coming year. The defensive MVP is going to be somebody named Jalen. I don't know if it's Jalen Ford or Jalen Catalan, but if Catalan could stay healthy, I mean, that guy, like Jalen Ford's obviously a stud. He should have been the defensive player of the year in this league last year. But and Catalan, like first team all SEC is a freshman. Like that dude is a freaking monster. So uh, I would I would maybe throw a little bet on, uh, I don't think you can bet on this because they don't do team offensive or defensive MVPs, at least in Vegas. Uh, but if you could, I would maybe sprinkle a little bit on Jalen Catalan too, because he's just that good of a talent, man. He he can make that much of a difference for this Longhorn defense this year, I think. Okay, so uh, they do list some coaches on the hot seat this year, and uh, not surprising, Neil Brown from West Virginia squarely on the hot seat, as is Dana Holgerson, a.k.a. Big 12 Phil Collins. I hope Big 12 Phil Collins uh, stays in the conference for a long, long time going forward. <laughs> But I'll ask you it this way, BK, based or uh, linking it back to the Longhorns, and uh, it'll be a bit of a fill in the blank. Steve Sarkeesian will be on the hot seat at the end of this season if what? Oh, God. If you don't want to answer the question, that's fine. No, I'll answer it. Steve Sarkeesian will be on the hot seat if Texas wins fewer games in 2023 than it did in 2022 eight so, or regular yeah. season in 2022 i'm with you on that one i think seven and five or lower is a problem i mean if if god forbid 2023 is a repeat of 2021 is sark gone 
Yes. Got, gotta be right. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't expect that to happen at all, but your schedule is not that difficult this year. And you have been talking all off season about how good your roster is. You cannot miss a bowl game. Yeah. And how this is your team. And for the first time in your tenure here, you feel like it's your guys and you've got the program where you want it. I mean, dude, eight and four would be incredibly disappointing. And there are some Texas fans who would be asking for Steve Sarkeesian to be removed if that's what Texas does this season. Hell, some people think nine and three would be underwhelming this year. And Vegas is telling you that, hey, that would be under emphasis on underwhelming because that's below the total that they have for this Texas team in 2023. So, yeah, if it's uh, man, if it's eight wins, we might be talking about it, but definitely seven or fewer than Sark's seat is is very, very hot. And obviously, if it gets uh, below 500, then we're going to unfortunately be needing to talk about a new coach in Austin again. Yeah, I think eight wins will uh, necessitate a little bit more of the eyeball tests and also understanding the nuance of the season. Like if you suffer a rash of injuries through a tough portion of the schedule and you end up dropping a game or two during that time, you're obviously uh, given some, uh, some forgiveness there. But I'm still with you. Like it's going to take something pretty catastrophic for me to sit there and be okay with eight and four at the end of the year. Like I need nine wins. And uh, as you and I talked about, anything short of making it to that Big 12 championship game in early December is, is going to feel disappointing. Agreed. What's next? You want to take the next one? You want me to take the next one? Uh, we're talking sleeper teams here, so I'm not sure. Do you want to do something uh, with the Longhorns on that, or do you, do you want to mention your sleeper team in the conference? I'll mention my sleeper team in the conference. Go. Oklahoma. It's rare to call them a sleeper because they've dominated this conference since its inception. But I know they're coming off of a six and seven season. I know the jury's still out on Brent Venables. I know what Texas did to Oklahoma last year. Dude, like Oklahoma's schedule is so easy. I mean, it is Charmin Ultra Soft this year. They don't have to play K State, who has owned them in recent years, right? The Purple Kryptonite kind of flipped. You know, Texas used to not be able to beat K-State. Well, Texas has won six in a row against K-State. Now it's like Oklahoma who can't beat K-State. They don't have to play them. They don't have to play Texas Tech, who beat OU last year, who's a trendy pick to win this league this year. And they don't have to play Baylor either. Like all three teams that are probably finishing in the top half of this league that Texas has to play, uh, Oklahoma doesn't have to play any of them. So I, uh, I recorded a video with our buddy Tyler McComas, who does radio in uh, Norman as part of a Big 12 preview series that we're doing here on this channel. And dude, they're, they're talking about like it being a very disappointing season if they don't make the Big 12 championship because of the schedule. Like That's their reason for optimism this year. They still have some holes on the roster. And once again, I don't know if Venables is a great coach. I don't know if he's a good coach, but I feel like not enough people are picking Oklahoma to make it to the conference championship game because of their cupcake schedule. I think they've got a damn good shot to get there. Yeah, they're at Kansas, at Oklahoma State, at BYU, the second half of the schedule. But you are right. There are two ranked teams on the schedule right now, at least as uh, as it pertains to preseason rankings. The Longhorns on October 7th, and then the last regular season game of the year, the TCU Horn Frogs. And that game is in Norman, and I think TCU's uh, pretty overrated by people right now. They're getting a lot of love based on last year's performance. My underrated team right now, BK, and I know I've mentioned this, on the show over these last couple of weeks. It's the Baylor Bears. I am a big believer in Dave Aranda and his ability to lead a program. Last season was a bit of a reload for them. They had to replace a lot on both sides of the ball, but I think they're starting to get back there now. Will they win another conference championship this year? Probably not, but uh, I think they will be fighting for one of those spots at Jerry World in early December, too. A lot of it comes down to uh, what happens with Blake Shapin. He's got a bit of a uh, Charlie Brewer way about him in terms of his playmaking ability, but also in terms of him unnecessarily putting his body on the line at times. And that has caused him problems going back to his true freshman campaign two seasons ago. Yeah. And Jerry for me is still out on Blake shape and he's solid. He's done some pretty good things during his time in Waco, but uh, yeah, he needs to take a step, but uh, look, Baylor should be in that conversation. Uh, I think they're going to be good. I think there's, a lot of teams that could be pretty good in this league this year. And, man, you you know, I think Texas is most people's pick to be number one. You saw that with the preseason poll, and you continue to hear that from local and national media alike. But, man, sort of like two through nine, two through ten could almost go down in a hundred different ways just with how many slightly above average teams I think there are in the Big 12 this season. 
So uh, the only other topic on this ESPN article is conference title game, but I think we're going to hold on to that until next week when we give our college football playoff picks, our Big 12 regular season champ, and who is playing and winning in that Big 12 championship game. Very good. Very good. All right, before we get to some do's and don'ts for sports fans as we get closer to the start of the college and NFL seasons. I want to give some love to a few more sponsors. Hey, speaking of college football, speaking of the NFL, if you want tickets to any college or NFL game this year, go to SyntexTickets.com. Longhorn games, Aggie games, Red Raider games, Baylor games, doesn't matter, whatever team you root for, they've got tickets to all of those games. Of course, the NFL, Cowboys tickets, Texans tickets. If you want to get Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, Every sport, all year round, all of those tickets are 100% guaranteed, and they're all easy to buy right there on your phone or computer. Check them out online at SyntexTickets.com. And shout out to our friends at 7-Eleven as well. They are your go-to convenience store. Help you fuel up throughout these red-hot summer months here in Texas. Our guy Ashish, big Longhorn fan, big Texas sports unfiltered fan. Go say what's up to him at any of the three stores that he owns and operates here in Austin. But, hey, wherever you are in the state of Texas, there's bound to be a 7-Eleven near you. Get you those nachos, those taquitos, those hot dogs, that pizza, those Slurpees, the Big Gulps, the coffee, whatever. You know what they've got at 7-Eleven. They've got everything you need to get you through the summer. Thanks to Sentex Tickets and thanks to 7-Eleven for their support of Texas Sports Unfiltered, Trey. BK, we had a couple of things happen in games last night that is going to require us to give folks a reminder of how to act and not act when you're watching sporting events in person. We mentioned this yesterday. It's embarrassing when the Longhorns or pick a program goes full Aggie with a given situation. I'm going to refer to this as going full Philly fan when you uh, act in a way that is completely embarrassing for you those that you're with, those that you're around you, and the fan base on the whole. And we start in Atlanta, where Braves fans were apparently cheering when Pete Alonzo, the uh, star first baseman for the New York Mets, was hit by a pitch and had to leave a game. (laughs) BK, you don't cheer when a guy has to leave a game with an injury, even if it is the star of the other team. Now, there is the rare exception I guess, but Pete Alonzo is not a bad dude. He is not looked at as a villain in baseball, is he? Yeah, no, Pete Alonzo sucks. Okay, well. He's he's not a great human being. There was some guy, I think the Mets were playing the Cardinals last week, and a guy had his first major league hit, and you know how, like, you always keep the ball from your first major league hit, and Uh the, the, the dugout will be like, hey, throw us the ball. You know, it's his first hit. Pete Alonzo saw that, saw that it was this dude's first big league hit, saw the Cardinals dugout like motioning for the baseball, and he chunked it into the stands instead. Okay, that's not good. Well, no. I take back what I said about Pete Alonso. <laughs> I clearly haven't watched much Mets baseball this year. But still, let's try not to cheer a guy who's having to leave a game with an injury. You can cheer when somebody gets hit by a pitch if they're a hated player on an opposing team. But I'm with you. Don't don't cheer when somebody gets actually injured to the point where they have to leave the game. That's that's a bad bit because we are still talking about a human being here. And the other example is from basketball. That's right. It's very rare. We'll talk WNBA, but we're going to go there at least briefly. Do you watch or I guess more importantly, does your cousin gamble on WNBA games? Uh, more specifically, the Dallas Wings. It's the Pope Catholic, Trey. I don't believe Bear shit so. in the woods? I don't believe so. The Pope was a Nazi, wasn't he? Uh, I don't think so, but that's not my area of expertise, so I'm not not very sure. I think he's Catholic. At least that's what I was told growing up. Was your cousin betting on the Dallas-Minnesota game last night then, I guess I need to ask? No, the cousin did have uh, the Chicago Sky, who uh, took care of him last night against uh, Seattle, but uh, no action on the Wings game last night apparently they've changed it to an s oh it's not a z anymore to see that it wasn't a z on the end of that name but it's the wings against the links with an x and not a cks so uh they're really cool yeah but uh dallas loses the game last night minnesota 91 to 86 but that's not the story the story is a forward for the Dallas Wings. Perhaps you know the pronunciation of this name. This is the first time I'm seeing it in my life, and I'm going to butcher it. Satao Sabali? 
that sound right? Uh, no. But I don't know what is right, so we're going to go with that. But it does not sound right. Satu Sabali. Uh, we'll drop <laughs> that after the game. Uh, calling out the Lynx fan base as being disgusting for what was being yelled at her on the court. It was apparently so profane that the fans in question got kicked out of the game, BK. And afterwards, Sato, Satow, she basically said, these people were yelling at me that I hope that you get hurt after she had committed a hard foul on the Minis- on a Minnesota Lynx player. Wow. So let's go over this pretty quickly for all you sports fans out there who maybe have uh, forgotten your basic manners at live sporting events. I understand. It's upsetting to see the opposition uh, foul your guy or your gal in this situation. But come on, it is very pathetic to openly root for an injury, even as it pertains to the opposition. And I would even argue it's especially pathetic to do so at a WNBA game, BK. So let's refrain from doing that going forward. You can get upset. You can cheer loudly for your team to do well. Maybe even throw some booze out there if you want to when the opposition does something good or a specific player does something good. But let's not scream bloody murder in a literal sort of way, even if you're upset with the opposition. What if... You want to cheer when one of your own team's players gets hurt. Is that kosher? You want to cheer when one of your own team's players get hurt. Oh, are you talking about uh, the Garrett Gilbert situation from a decade plus ago? That works. I was at a Texans game one year when Matt Schaub went down with an injury and Texans fans were cheering because they didn't have to watch Matt Schaub play quarterback anymore. Look, I was in the stands when, I don't know if Garrett Gilbert got injured in this game, but when he was getting booed heavily, and granted, he wasn't playing great, but it was still a really embarrassing look for the uh, for the fans at DKR to hear that uh, that collective boo towards a guy that you need to be trying to pick up whenever he's struggling like that. So, uh, in a sense, I kind of understand, especially when you mention the name Matt Schaub. But I think you still <laughs> need to try to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I did write the book about how to fan at a WNBA game. Yes, you did. You you lost a sports bet and had I to lost. go be a hardcore fan, but you were respectful despite the fact that you were cheering your head off. No, I was losing my mind. I was shitting on the refs, I can tell you that. There was no respect being shown to them because they were awful in that Silver Stars game. But the refs were, were getting it. And look, I was a great fan, man. I did my part. I wrote the book once again on how to be a good WNBA fan. We might have to bring back some videos of uh, of that and play them on this show at some point in the not-too-distant future. Completely different set of courtesy rules for fans and the, the opposition in your own team versus the officials, by the way, because I've definitely said a mean thing or two to the refs over time, and I'm thinking specifically about a uh, Texas-Oklahoma State game from several years ago. Oh, that was rough. My God. Yeah, I pulled my phone out and started playing the Three Blind Mice song and because there was only 500 people at that WNBA game, I think the refs actually heard it. So. That baseline ref, I do remember him looking back because I was sitting next to you laughing and videoing the entire time. Uh, everybody in that arena knew who I was by like halftime. Jay Ward says, I can't believe they kicked the only fans in the building <laughs> out of that WNBA game last night. Hey, listen, Jay Ward, there was a uh, there was a school field trip there too and maybe a couple <laughs> of uh, youth basketball teams. Hey, show some respect to former number two overall pick, Satu Sabali. There I, don't we know how, I don't know how to pronounce her name, but, I, you know, former number two pick. That I do know. All right, good stuff there. We've got about 10 minutes left before we hand things over to Chip and Zay coming your way from one to three. What do you say? Want to lay by the bay? I just may. I'm a poet, and I didn't even realize that I'm a poet. That's not the line. Shit. All right, it's time for... Where are we at in society today? Finish each other's sandwiches? Yes, it is time for a daily look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. 
And I don't know what today qualifies as, BK, because uh, today's Where We At begins with an update on the coffee shop conflict that I told you people about a couple days ago. It happened on Sunday at a coffee shop in Austin proper. There was a girl who thought it was a good idea for her fat lab to lay in the middle of the coffee shop between the front door and the register requiring me to say, hey, this isn't your living room. This is a coffee shop. But I wasn't so polite about that. I was stern. Uh, She was probably in her mid-20s and clearly hadn't been taught any sort of limits or norms by her own parents. So she accused me of speaking to her like a child, which I probably was. And ultimately, uh, I think she probably got the dog out of the middle of the floor. But that doesn't mean I feel good about things, BK. So I actually went back into this coffee shop for the first time since then, ordered my coffee, The person who helped me out at the register this morning, she was there on Sunday. I specifically remember her and the other two employees who were there who probably needed to do their job and tell her to get the dog out of the middle of the floor. (laughs) After I put my order in and walked around the counter to uh, get it where they put the uh, ready-to-go coffee orders, I said, excuse me. I'm like, I know you were here on Sunday when I had my altercation with that other customer. I'm like, what do you think about that? is what I asked her. And she Mm. said, I understand where you were coming from, but you were also really rude in doing so. Mm. Okay. I said, thank you. I appreciate your feedback. I wasn't looking to get into another argument. I genuinely, I could feel her discomfort with helping me. So I'm trying to actively diffuse a uh, situation in my direction now. Yeah. I think I maybe did a little bit or at least uh, worked a little bit uh, in that direction. But after I finish this very brief interaction with her, I turn and the owner of the coffee shop is right there. He's somebody that I know and I've known for years now. So I asked if I could sit down for a second and chat. He said, sure. So I explained the situation to him. I said, I was, I came across as rude. I don't doubt that, but it was also a pretty flagrant situation in terms of her needing to recognize what was going on there and not let, let her dog just lay out in the middle of the floor. And he uh, after listening to the story, actually apologized to me for feeling the need to uh, to actually address that. He said one of my employees should have done so. And he's like, I'm going to remind them also because if nothing else, like we want to be dog friendly, especially when it's as hot as it is this summer. So to have your dog inside with you is no big deal, but you got to keep the dog next to you. You can't just let the dog roam the coffee shop while you're on the other side of the joint. And so he listened to me. I told him, look, the next time I see her, I'll probably offer up an apology. But ultimately, he uh, said in so many words, BK, Trey, you were right there. And I'm sorry that you even had to do that, that you had to uh, let your blood pressure go up like that to handle a situation that my employees needed to be all over. You feel vindicated? Hell yes, I do. Hell yes, Mm. I do. I guarantee you there were other customers in that place who were probably uncomfortable in the moment that I will hear from at some point in the next couple of weeks telling me thank you because this girl needed to get her dog out of the middle of the damn floor. Is the vindication worth having them spit in your coffee every time you go in there moving forward? So here's the great news about that. The order that I make is not something that's ordered on the spot or that they have to take to the back room to uh, to get ready. It is legitimately them pulling the uh, the cold brew container out of the fridge pouring it in front of my face and then handing it to me. They could still spit in it while they're pouring it. They could have a special jar of cold brew just for you when you walk in there that has some of their special sauce, if you know what I mean. Oh, interesting. You guys are uh, pouring the cold brew from a mason jar now, huh? Yeah, some <laughs> of them. Some of them we are. Yeah, just a couple. Of them. Why is there like a giant F-U-C-K on that one? Uh, what's uh, What does that say, shithead? <laughs> why does that one say that i don't want from that one i want from the other cold brew can oh fuck face <laughs> you thinking is a fuck face here me well i kind of am a fuck face i guess oh my god well congrats actually, to you i actually have another update too based on a story that i told you last week i believe because um i got into it i actually got into a physical altercation <laughs> way too many altercations happening in austin on the weekends with me clearly uh sometimes the problem if there's enough of them is not the other person it is you but it's not a person in this situation it is a driverless taxi that i told you about uh, a week ago 
that I basically, uh, my the, the guy that I was with and I were trying to parallel park in a spot in this driverless taxi. It was a cruise car. Like, that's the name of the company, Cruise. Yeah. Pulled up right on our back bumper and wouldn't move and made no efforts to get around literally for like five or ten minutes. Well, here's my vindication, BK. The DMV in California has actually asked Cruise, the company that I called out a week ago, to cut the number of its driverless fleets in half, citing, quote, concerning incidents. Wow. That is right. The DMV has seen enough of these now that it's telling Cruise, look, I know that you've told us that your technology is up to snuff, but unfortunately, the way that your cars are operating right now, that is clearly not the case. And Cruise has said okay to this. So Cruise probably even understands that the technology is not far enough along just yet. How about that? Yeah. Vindication part two. Yeah. Damn. They're listening. About myself right now. They're listening to Texas Sports Unfiltered. They heard that story and they're like, eh, we got to change. We can't have people yelling at our cars or kicking our cars in the middle of the street anymore. That's not a good look for us. And that guy also looks like an idiot. So we need to prevent that from happening anytime ever again okay and uh last story today i think i need to actually uh get to the share screen for this and because i need to show you these highlights you are a or your cousin excuse me is a gambling degen so maybe this is a step too far for even your cousin all right where are we going here excuse me just a second i think this is nope that's not it how many tabs do you have open today Dude, it's, it's not good. I apologize. This is a complete embarrassment. Oh, no. There goes your vindication. I know, right? You're, you're good at embarrassing yourself, yelling at some innocent girl for having a dog in Austin and then yelling at a driverless car for... All right. I'm just going to show the entire screen here, and you can just see how embarrassing the desktop and all the tabs are. All right. Oh, boy. Here Trav- we go. God, you versus computers, man. Tell me if you can see the screen. Can you see the screen? No. Can't see the screen. I can't see anything but your ugly mug and mine. There we uh, go. Here we go. You should be able to see the screen now. Yes. Have you seen this before? A Volkswagen? Nope. Uh, an arcade oh, game? Oh, here we go. Now it's playing. It's a professional sport, and it's apparently the championship. What? I don't no, know I've never seen this. What are they all or what? But these guys are trying to keep this balloon from hitting the ground in what oh. looks like a television studio that has a bunch of random stuff around a Volkswagen, a couch. There's an old school arcade game in there somewhere. Guy in red just won that one, I guess. This is one on one. So I guess the guys wearing black and yellow are the refs. Yeah, there are as many refs as there are players here <laughs> to ensure that the balloon doesn't hit the ground here. This is awesome, dude. I mean, okay, so I'm glad you're with me here because I play this game with my kids regularly and it is, it's surprising how much fun it is to play. Oh yeah. I think every family has played this game at some point, right? Like I I remember playing this game with my sisters growing up. Like you got a balloon, you just try to keep it in the air for as long as you can. Now that's, that's, that's a fun game. Like you take a, a couple of paddles down to the beach or something like that. And you hit the ball up in the air a bunch and try to keep it in the air as long as you can. Like that's that type of shit is always going to be fun. I'm glad someone actually turned that into a sport. Yeah. So they call that the balloon world cup. And if you saw at the top of the screen, there were uh, different uh, (laughs) countries represented in this, uh, this particular matchup. It was Peru versus a uh, German team. Oh dude, I, I want in on this. Not, not as a member of the German team, but I want to represent Team USA on this balloon upkeep game. What is it called? Balloon. It's just the Balloon World Cup. Okay. Yeah, I went in on the Balloon World Cup, man. I I, I like my chances. I was awesome at that growing up. I, I got us. If we're power ranking the uh, the members of Texas Sports Unfiltered and just how good they're going to be at the Balloon World Cup, I don't know who's first. I do know who's dead last, though. Well, the guy with a fake knee and fake hip and fake teeth. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be him, right? Yeah, it's your morning partner. Yeah, that, that guy can barely walk up the stairs to do a radio show. 
There's no way he can run around a Volkswagen to try to keep a balloon up in the air. Like, after one hit, he's done. God, it'd be a disaster. He would, oh, he'd, he'd be out. He'd be the worst player maybe in the world at this game. He can't even do knee push-ups. Oh, he have God. a hard time keeping a balloon in the air. Yeah, he is an expert at falling, though, as Jay Ward mentions. He did, uh, he did say he taught Tua how to fall as part of his fall school that he apparently teaches. I do have to give our uh, beloved friend Bucky Godbolt a little bit of credit, though. He is now officially the most accurate meteorologist in the Austin area after he did call rain happening last week, either Tuesday or Wednesday. Look, I realized that it was like barely a spit that happened in Austin yesterday, but it does count as the tiniest bit of rain. So kudos to Buck, the weather scientist for being more right than anybody else trying their hand at that profession. You're thanking him and not thanking me. Me moving to Austin is what brought the rain. So you're welcome. I deserve the credit for that. Thank you actually, because all it did is make things really humid for about 24 hours, but my family thanks you. I mean, you would have thought that it was a straight up downpour with how my kids were dancing around yesterday. All I was doing is saying, man, it smells weird out here right now. (laughs) It smells like Houston minus the actual moisture on the ground. Yep. All right. Let's bring, uh, let's bring one half of chip and Zay on for a little cross talk because we are coming up on one o'clock. Oh, we're past one o'clock. Here is Zay Collier. Zay, did you, uh, did you watch that video that Trey pulled up of the uh, balloon world cup? Did you catch any of that? Yeah, yeah, I caught the last part. That's a trippy game, but hey, Joe Rogan, all these crazy cats out here, they're just making up any type of shit, which I'm going to say shit now because Chip, our show's PG, so I'm going to get the curse words out (laughs) with you fellas before the homie comes on. But yeah, I... I saw a little bit of it. I'd struggle at that game. I'd be right behind Buck. I'd definitely beat him, but other than that, my stamina nowadays, nah, I'd struggle. Zay, when you were were actually playing, were you a guy who uh, wasn't afraid to hit the floor for a loose ball? Yeah, dog, I'm a coach's son. You serious? I assume so. I like, so, but wait, you're also wait, 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 wait. on your team too. I, I thought only I thought only white kids were allowed to be the coach's son. Is that is, is that not <laughs> isn't that the stereotype? Isn't that how it works? That's how nah, that's how man. Trey and I were described growing up. Not not how you were described. Nah, man. Unfortunately, I played for Pops, which it was great actually, but I yeah, if you weren't diving on the floor, if you weren't taking charges, eh, get subbed out. Bowie was small too, so when he chewed you out, you could hear it. Everyone could hear it, and yeah, he always took it harder on me because I'm his seed. So yeah, eh, eh, you better hustle. You better hustle. I love it. I love it. What uh, What do you guys have on? T- I mean, Chip, it's day three, and Chip is already late. What are we doing yeah, um, here? I, I don't know what's going on, man. He said he's got a guest today, so we got a guest coming up at 1.30. I don't know who it is. The dude was talking uh, a 1,000 miles per minute because he's trying to avoid traffic to get here. So, <laughs> hey, his GPS said 103. It is 104, so I expect him to be on very shortly. Are we sure he said guest and not guest? Isn't guess when I'm going to actually show up today, Zay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I hope so, so... Uh, At the end of the day, I guess I could go one-man roll like the right call days. You know what I'm talking about? There you go. You've done that before. Uh, I I love how he's like, oh, I'll get there at 103. It's like, get there. Get where, dude? You don't have a commute. You work from home. That's the best part of this thing. You don't have to actually go anywhere. You're, You're staying at your place getting to do these shows. What do you mean you're late? Well, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. School just started all around. He's probably on campus doing who knows what, and they just started school this week. So I, maybe he got into a little bit of trouble that he hasn't been used to in a minute. But I, you're right. You're right. He should be able to just hop out of bed like what we do. Come on now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Well, Trey and I were talking about this earlier, Zay, uh, a sleeper team in the Big 12 this year. Uh, we were kind of running through an ESPN conference preview uh, a little bit earlier in our show. And, you know, Trey mentioned Baylor as a sleeper team for him. I, I think Oklahoma is kind of a, it's weird to call them a sleeper, but, you know, with their schedule, I feel like they've got a shot to, to make a deep run to the conference championship game. You got a sleeper team in the Big 12 this year that you think could make some noise? 
Um, I don't even know if you consider them a sleeper, but I'd probably say Tech. Yeah, okay. Tech going eight and five last year. McGuire, he had them rolling. And Tyler Shuck, let's see what he could do in the full season because they were just throwing quarterbacks in and out of the lineup all year in 2022. But yeah, for, for he seems very confident that Joey McGuire talking about Big 12 Media Day, all oh, the defensive line, even with Tyree Wilson in the draft, they might be better than they were last year and talking about they got the best quarterback room in the Big 12, maybe the nation. Like, he's talking pretty crazy, talking pit, pretty little too cocky for my, you know, for my taste. But, hey, we'll see. I mean, I they look good in that Texas Bowl when they beat up on Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. They looked really good. Yeah. If they could take that momentum into this season, uh, I mean, that's definitely some payback when they come to DKR because last year that game was brutal. I know everybody remembers the Bijan fumble, but there was a lot more trouble that went on in that game besides that. So I know a lot of those guys, when the Red Raiders come into town, they better be ready because that crew, they're bringing back a lot of experience. Yeah, feels like a must-win game for the Longhorns. All right, fellas, we are out. Thank you all for holding it down. We'll be locked in. Y'all have a good show.